Spirit of living God, fall fresh now on this preacher and on these your precious, precious children who have assembled here to worship and praise you. Amen. Planted at the heart of La Miserable it's woven throughout the story and all the characters. It's really a story of poverty and how poverty can affect God's people. Val John, we are introduced to at the beginning of the story, He's put in prison for stealing a loaf of bread because his sister's child was sick. Javert certainly interacts with the poor, but he doesn't even acknowledge them. He treats them as if they're not even human beings. Fantine bears the brunt. She carries the heavy load of introducing poverty to us. It is not an easy story to watch or read, but it is a story that's played out all too real in our world today. Fontaine has a relationship with Felix, and Felix seems to be a well-off suitor. They have a child. And once the child is born, Felix goes back to the upper crest where he came from. Their child, Cosette, is left in the hands of the Tenardias because Fontaine knows that she cannot work and be a single parent at the same time. She understood that she needed someone to take care of her child while she worked. Can I tell you that child care is still one of the number one problems in our country today for women and men who have to work to support those children. Fontaine gets a job working for Valjean in the factory and every single time she gets a check it seems that Tonati has raised the price of what it takes to take care of Cosette they tell her, they keep telling her that the price of medicine has gone up. She's gotten sick of the food that she eats, needs more. She eventually loses her job at the factory. She resorts to selling her hair to earn the money to send back to take care of her child. When she couldn't sell hair any longer, she began to sell her teeth in order to gain enough money to sustain her child. When she couldn't sell teeth, she had to resort to selling her body to feed her child. Story of poverty it's not a stranger to us. And it's not a stranger to Jesus. 
Jesus is heading for the cross. When a young woman comes into where he and the newly assembled Jesus movement are. And she takes a bottle of expensive oil. Some say it's spignard, which is one of the most expensive oils on the face of the planet. And she begins to anoint Jesus' head and gently rubs the oil into his hair. Judas, being the treasurer of the bunch, got upset. And out of his mouth came these words, that is shameful. We could have sold that oil and gave the money to the poor. Now, perhaps Judas had in mind, you know, when Jesus fed the 5,000, Jesus was always joining the crowd. Maybe he thought that that money could have been some relief for their ministry. Jesus, in response to that, says, the poor will always be with you. Statement comes in the context of a story that really has nothing to do with poor people and poverty at all. It does have to deal with a woman who showed even the newly disciples what it means to worship God. And Jesus said, as long as the gospel is preached, what this woman has done will be remembered. In Matthew's account of this story, just before Jesus has the last supper and enters into the city on a donkey, we don't even get the name of this woman. And the disciples are really put in opposition to what Jesus' ministry is all about. And so Jesus, when Judas makes this statement, he says to them, the poor will always be with you, but I will not. Jesus knew that the woman was honoring him by performing what they would perform when the body was in the tomb. She was preparing the body for burial. She understood before most of the Jesus followers that the cross is where Jesus was headed. Now, if I had more time, I would say, isn't it interesting that the outcasts, women who were second-class citizens and the poor and the demons always seems to recognize who Jesus is, but the church does not. The disciples representing the new Jesus movement, the beginning of the church of Jesus Christ, are full of self-righteousness and begin to criticize this woman's devotion. What a waste of money, the treasurer said. The perfume could have been sold and we could have gave the money to the poor. And Jesus didn't like that at all. Why are you 
bothering this woman. She has done a beautiful thing to me. Jesus understood the true meaning of what she was doing. And she cons- he considered it a wonderful gift. Maybe we are to remember her because of her insight into the future sacrifice that Jesus would make on our behalf. Maybe we ought to remember her because she uses the expensive oil to remind us the expensive price that God paid for our deliverance. It's at this point that Jesus says, the poor you will always have with you, but I'm not always going to be around. And at this point, that statement, the poor will always be with you, is a quote from Deuteronomy. Only he and the woman seem to understand. Now, you would think that the scribes and the Pharisees would understand that Jesus is quoting Scripture. Maybe the newly formed disciples didn't, but the church should have known. There is, my brothers and sisters, an important lesson in that statement for those of us who work on the front lines with poor people, who have dedicated their lives to poor people. Talk to Debbie Racy sometimes about home sweet home. Talk to Raph sometime about Safe Harbor or Al about the missions that we're doing. I work in inner city and work with poverty, most of my ministry. There's nothing easy about working with poor people. It seems like the more you do, the more you need. You spend your time when you're working in a social service environment raising money to try to gain the things that the poor need. It can make you a workaholic. It can damage your mental state. A lot of social service activists burn out. That's not what Jesus is asking us to do. Our devotion must be directed at Jesus, not the poor themselves. While we certainly, my brothers and sisters, are supposed to love our neighbors, especially those who are less fortunate than we are, we are to only worship Jesus. And what we do is in direct response to what Jesus calls us to do. The woman understood this, and the disciples could not comprehend it. Getting our spiritual And worship right is key to sustaining the mission of God in the world to the poor and the needy. During this Lenten season, brothers and sisters, we need to pay careful attention of how God is calling us, inviting us into his world to be in relationship with the poor. 
Jesus' statement of the poor always being with us reveals a challenging, challenging understanding about God and God's people and the poor. Jesus' statement seems to be in complete contradiction to Deuteronomy 15, where it says immediately, there should be no poor among you. It shouldn't be no poor at all, verse 4 says. The claim is followed by the reason why there shouldn't be any poor. For in the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess as your inheritance, it's richly blessed. The land that God is given to Israel has more than enough for everybody. The poor, are, it shouldn't be any poor because there was enough for everybody to have. In the same way that Jesus fed the 5,000 and then told the disciples, gather up the leftovers. More than enough to feed everybody in the land. For the Lord your God will bless you as God has promised. And you will lend to many nations, but you will not borrow a dime from anybody. There will be a surplus, a surplus that can be traded with other nations in the world. And I believe this because I cannot believe that a loving God, a caring God, who created the world for us could have intended a world of scarcity. The God whom we worship would never place us in a land that was unable to provide for life and sustain life more abundantly. I can believe this before I can believe that God intended that there would always be poor people with us. There is a condition to the promise. He will richly bless you if only you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all these commandments that I'm giving you today. The blessing and abundance of the promised land are dependent on the faithfulness of the church, God's people, God gave the command directly to the Israelites, the chosen ones, his church. There will be no poor in Israel because God's promise had failed to provide, but because human beings were not faithful to God and certainly not to each other. The poor is to be provisioned for in the promised land, not because God failed to provide everything that we needed and more, but because Israel, the church, failed. And so it is today, brothers and sisters, I suspect. It is a fact that there is enough agriculture production and food in the world to feed every human being on the face of this planet. Yet people are dying of hunger and children 
are stunted because of chronic malnutrition. It's not that God's planet cannot provide. It is that we have not followed God's command. It seems that we don't love our neighbors enough to make sure that no one is hungry. So, so just what did Jesus mean when he said the poor you will always have with you? Could he possibly have meant that poverty is something that we should tolerate because it's just not going to go away? It's the way things are. Was Jesus asking us to, to, to deal with policy, get over it, because it always was going to be around? I don't think so. I think Jesus first was making a point about worship. This woman came to worship the Lord, and they were worried about the cost of perfume. Judas, being the treasurer, was more concerned about the money than the worship of God, because if you worship God, we have to believe that our God will supply all of our needs according to his riches in glory. But they don't seem to have that kind of faith in Jesus. So they began to talk about the woman rather than acknowledge the act of worship. Second, Jesus was reminding them of what the scripture said. They should have known their Bible. By referring to these passages in Deuteronomy, Jesus was reminding the disciples that the only reason that there are poor people in God's abundant creation is because human beings have sinned. And as a result of sin, have become self-centered. The only reason there are poor in God's abundant creation. It's because human beings allowed sin in our first parents, Adam and Eve, to enter into the world. The disciples didn't care about the poor as much as they did about trying to make a point at this woman's expense. The poor you will always have with you, Jesus said. It was a stern rebuke to the disciples because they did not understand the meaning of worship and the beautiful act that this woman was performing. There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, here's the command, I command you to be open-handed toward your brothers and the poor and the needy in all the land, Deuteronomy 15, 11. I think God knew that we faced a profound duty in the world. God's world is productive enough to meet every human need. Human beings created in the image of God are created to be productive, created to harvest and share what God has given. Yet, sin in the human heart and the curse of fallen human beings represented in Adam in God's world has allowed for poverty and other sins to enter 
and to the life of the world and the church. Even though God never intended that, that there would be any poor, he also knew that there would always be poor people as long as there are sinful people in the world. Jesus' statement about the poor always being with us is intended to shame us, to remind us that this is a true statement only because we have failed to live up to what God created us to be. Jesus never intended to justify the tolerance of the presence of poor people in the land. Jesus was not excusing the presence of poor among us. He knew full well that his father provides more than enough through creation. Jesus was reminding us with some considerable irony that the poor are here because we have not honored God's command. Second, the real lesson from Deuteronomy is that unrighteousness of those who are not poor and of the poor themselves is the cause of poverty. At the most fundamental level, sin distorts our relationship with God and with each other in the world. Our relationships do not work for our well-being, and the result is poverty, ageism, racism, sexism, whatever ism you want to attach to that injustice that comes from sin. Poverty is not part of God's intention for the created world. To tolerate poverty by excusing it we would miss the mark of what Jesus is trying to teach the disciples and the church. God intended for Israel and the church to be the anointed people who everything they touched prospered to take care of the world and not themselves. God's command in Deuteronomy regarding the response to the poor among us is clear. Our mandate is to be in relationship with all of God's people. Moreover, we are to enjoy sharing God's abundance. Give generously to the poor. And, and so, don't do so begrudgingly, says Deuteronomy 15.10. The result of this attitude of sharing is that the Lord God will bless us and bless our work and in everything we do. In the New Testament, it's said when the disciples were doing what God called them to do, God added to the church daily. Caring for the poor. of what God calls us to do in the land today. But to do so, we have to recognize the face of poverty. I spend most of my ministry in inner cities. I've watched people in the inner city line up around the block to get government commodities once a month. 
when I was assigned to rural communities, I watched people line up around the block in rural communities to get the food that they were given once a month. I've seen the face of children who were malnourished, who were born in a cycle of poverty and seems that they had no way to get out. Poor schooling, poor health, poor neighborhoods, poor parenting. And then there is the working poor. Before this pandemic, many of our people, young people mostly, were working at one restaurant 25 or 30 hours because no one wanted full time because that come with benefits. And then they would get off work from that job and go to work at another job working 10 to 15 hours with the majority of the money that they make going to child care. Brothers and sisters, God is calling us to look into the face of poverty and then do everything in our power as the church of Jesus Christ to alleviate, to alleviate poverty in the land. At its heart, Lent is designed for us to do a spiritual check of how we're doing with God's mission to the world. Is there anything in my life that's keeping me from being all that God has created us to be? And then bring that mission to Calvary and ask the hard questions as a church. Are we, as normal cavalry, doing everything we can to fulfill God's mission of alleviating poverty in the world? Let us pray. God, we thank you for the many gifts that you have given us. We thank you that you have promised that if we are faithful, you will do the rest. We thank you for Jesus Christ, our brother, who when the law could not understand why we couldn't always live up to what you called us to be, Jesus extends the grace and says to us, behold, go and sin no more. We thank you that we serve a second chance, God, that if we don't get it right, God will never, ever give up on the church in the world today. He loves us and the world too much. So thank you, God, for all that you do and accomplish in and through us. In the name of our brother Jesus.